Hello, and welcome to Fighting Over the VCR. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. And this week, we have continued our kind of little segment of doing crime kind of themed movies, but now we've moved into the kind of 40s, 50s, and 60s kind of time frame of the uh, of, of America. I'm going to talk about a crime drama kind of movie from 1994 called The Shawshank Redemption. But Nancy's going to get us started off talking about L.A. Confidential. Take it away, Nance. Thanks, Matt. So, L.A. Confidential came out in 1997. It's got a really great cast of characters. Uh, Kevin Spacey, Guy Pierce, Russell Crowe, Kim Basinger in her Academy Award-winning role, supporting actress. James Cromwell, Danny DeVito, David Strahan, just all sorts of people. And the premise of the movie is that it's the 50s and gangster Mickey Cohen, real-life gangster Mickey Cohen, um, has been thrown in jail. So there's this idea that the Los Angeles Police Department is cleaning up. They're getting a great new image, and it's this wonderful time. When secretly, people in the, within the department, in char- you know, particularly people in charge, have decided to take over running all of the crime. But we don't know that at the beginning. You uh, find that out in, like, the last... 45 minutes yeah. of the movie, maybe. But this movie's. I, 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 sorry to interrupt, but I'd like to just interject and say that sometimes when we are looking at movies, one thing that really kind of kind of makes things easier on us, and this might just sound like laziness, but it's actually just for time management purposes, as we look at the lengths of movies, and these two movies that we picked are rather long. Yeah, this was five <laughs> hours of movie watching today between the two movies. Um, I'll, I'll say, though, that I... And we'll get into this discussion a little bit deeper later with Shawshank. Um, there's probably a lot more action that happens in L.A. Confidential, especially since it's way, not all set in more. a prison. Um, yeah, so, yeah, way more. So you've got, like... Various factions in this um, movie, you know, Guy Pierce is an up and comer, young cop, you know, wants to fall, you know, follow the rules buy the book. You cannot buy him off. Kevin Spacey is kind of like a Hollywood cop where he you kind of get the sense that his real dream would have been to be an actor. So he's always like a technical advisor on different cop shows. He's really good buddies with um, Danny DeVito, who runs, like, the TMZ magazine back then, Hush Hush. And and Danny DeVito kind of serves as a bit of a narrator through the movie. Um, a little bit. A little bit. The, the only time it's really a narration is when he is reading out loud his story as he's typing it. Yeah. But it helps you get get some background. Yeah on the whole, um, on some of the characters and mm-hmm. what the scene is doing. But he doesn't narrate the whole movie like no, he, Morgan he kind Freeman of like, does in, in Shawshank. No, no. <laughs> and then you have um, Russell Crowe, who is kind of seen as the bad cop, real tough guy. He's brought in to just really shake up a, a perp, 
Um, he's, you know, brought in as the muscle a lot of the time. And kind of his backstory is that um, he watched his mother get beaten to death and he was tied to a radiator, so he couldn't do anything to save her. So his, he's got kind of this, like, mission to save women who he thinks may be in danger. So that's kind of, like, how, how the movie starts. You kind of get introduced to all three of these guys. And then there's, you know, a big crime. There's a big hit that happens on Christmas Eve. And it becomes this big case that Guy Pierce gets to kind of... He gets to make his name based on this case. Things didn't seem right to him, though, from what happened. You know, the way that the... Um, the suspects kind of came out in this case. Nothing, something didn't feel right to him. Um, he ends up encountering a rape victim who kind of sets, you know, places the guys at the scene, but ultimately they weren't there and she can't, you know, things get kind of messy. So because he's She so, lied. She, she lied. She lied, yeah, because she'd been held captive and been raped several times and wanted some revenge. So she made the story sound good to follow, you know, follow along with all the, with what all the other cops were telling her. Anyways, this huge case, the Night Owl case, um, again, is something that gets um, Guy Pierce's character, you know, the detective lieutenant role, you know, position that he wants. Super up and coming guy, like 30 years old, really like a political animal. Russell Crowe's character is in a lot of trouble <laughs> because he had beaten up a bunch of Mexicans that had been arrested for supposedly getting into fights with a cop or something. And again, that's actually that's actually the thing that happens on Christmas because they call it bloody Christmas. That's right. That's right. The first thing the first thing that happens is is two cops get have an altercation with um, um, this group of of um, Mexican guys who yeah. they get in a fight and then that whole story by the time it gets to the police department, someone had lost an gets, eye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, it, it was a terrible game of telephone, where where by the time it got to the police to to some of the drunken Christmas party <laughs> guests, it had turned out to someone's yeah. getting their last rites. So yeah, when total bullshit. The, when they were brought when when the suspects were brought in, the cops decided to beat the crap out of them. One of them being. One of the cops being Russell Crowe, yeah. and he he was in some trouble. Yeah, and 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 Kevin Spacey also threw some punches, so he got in trouble too. So that's kind of, and then Guy Pierce, his character had been um, like the guy on watch that night, so he was in charge of all these guys. Anyways, that's kind of how these three cops get brought together is because they were all there for this unfortunate incident where they where these six suspects were all beaten up and they shouldn't have been beaten up and but because of the different kind of interests that the three cops have they end up intertwining in this larger kind of criminal conspiracy with the LAPD other kind of law officials in Los Angeles other kind of entertainment Figures that are very high, you know, well connected and very rich in LA. That's like a prostitution ring. A prostitution <laughs> ring. I mean, there's there's lots of you know moving factors here. Um, Kim, Kim Basinger's character, she works for um, 
David Strahan's character, and he's in charge of the prostitution ring. And I think it was also, I think he does pornography too, and that was the main reason why the girls were getting surgery um, to look like other famous movie stars. Is that how you pronounce his name? David isn't it, Strahan? Isn't it, is it Strahan? That was like Strathern or something. Maybe it's David Strathern. Maybe. Well, he plays he he plays a Pierce. really great role as a blind man in a, a cool movie called Sneakers that we might talk about. Oh, I didn't realize that he was, was the, okay. I saw that he was in that, it. and I was like, "Ooh, we're gonna do that at some point." Um, yeah, he's great. I love him. He was in a League of Their Own. We talked. About, he was my favorite character yeah. in the League of Our Own. Yeah, he played he played uh, the guy that ran that worked for uh, Mister Mister Hershey or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. This is a gr- this to me is just a great kind of criminal gangster drama. It's you know one of the first kind of like film noir movies, like kind of modern day film noir movies I was ever introduced to. I found this movie because when I was in college, I had taken I was a history major and I had taken a history of California class. In the very first lecture, um, the professor rolls out a few different movie clips to kind of like set the scene of like, this is what California was like. And, you know, he showed us some clips of this movie called Chinatown with Jack Nicholson. And Mm -hmm. then, then one of the original, one of the original newer noir movies. Exactly. That came out, I believe in the late sixties or late early seventies. And then he showed LA confidential. And he also showed another movie that was very influential for me in this era, uh, Blade Runner, just all these kind of these three different movies of different visions of what Los Angeles could be like. Mm -hmm. So I was very interested. I like confidential. What is this movie? I'd, I'd never seen it before. And I fell in love with it. I just think it's very entertaining. I hadn't seen a whole lot of Russell Crowe movies before. And I, this this movie really kind of broke Russell Crowe and Guy Pierce uh-huh. um, because before this movie, they weren't even really in a whole lot. And they don't even get even though I think that they're more main characters than Kevin Spacey's character because they're so they weren't as known. Kevin Sp- Spacey got higher billing. Yeah, he's the when the so. credits roll, Kevin Spacey's the first name that rolls. Um yeah. But I don't know. I I find this movie just very entertaining. It's, you know, I like gangster movies and I feel Mm -hmm. that just the pacing of this movie is really great. Again, it is a very long movie and there are a lot of characters. So sometimes it can be a little challenging to keep track of everybody. But I don't know. I just like the feel. I love the music. Um, I love the mystery of, you know, you know who the real bad guy is and then the great great reveal when Cromwell shoots Kevin Spacey and his death is so awesome because it's just really quiet like he doesn't scream or anything it's just like him kind of you can tell him just like gasping for air and then he does something very important which is something that happens in Shawshank also he reveals the name of this fictional character that was made up um, Guy Pierce um, fought, was following his father's footsteps, joining the police force, and then he explains that his dad had been killed, you know, shot six times and left for dead by some by just some random person. And because he didn't know anything about this person, this person got away. He had to give him some kind of name, so he calls him Rolo Tomasi, and 
Jack Vincenzo's last words are Rolo Tomasi, which is then this like, ah, it's going to get revealed back to Guy Pierce. And it doesn't take more than, what, <clears throat> 10 minutes, I think? Between... The very next scene, the very yeah. next scene, Dudley's character says to Guy Pierce's character, Exley, do you know the name Rolo Tomasi? And, then just... and he's like, he's like, never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, he just freezes. I mean, it was just yeah. this. And at that point, at that point, he knows that he had something to do with Jack's death. Yeah, yeah. So. And a fictional, uh, a made-up character is very important in Shawshank Redemption also, which we'll talk about later. Um, mm-hmm. But... I don't know. I again, I think I just think it was I think it's an interesting cop movie. I think um, kind of like what we were talking about last week with how in Young Guns, it's hard to really tell like who the bad guy is and who the good guy is. It's like the lines are really blurry. This movie, mm-hmm. it really isn't. I mean, while yes, Vincennes and Bud White, Russell Crowe's character, because they don't always do great things. Sure, maybe they're a little muddy as, like, you know, good guys, but really, you are rooting for them. I mean, they're the ones you're rooting for them. It's, Go ahead. It, it's, it's pretty clear from the very beginning, because of the whole scene with Bloody Christmas, that we are, in this movie, you're going to get a look at good cops and bad cops. Yeah. And... A lot of bad cops. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's one of those kind of noir. It's one of those things about film noir. Um, when I was in college, I took a um, it was a it was for an English credit. But it was like a it was a history of film mm. kind of class. Fun. And um, we basically had to write movie reports instead of book reports. And and. Film noir was one of the genres that we talked about. And, you know, having a femme fatale, you know, which in this movie you would ha- would be um, Kim Basinger. Mm. Um, and, you know, having good, you know, protagonists that are not necessarily, you know, the best. Yeah. <laughs> the best the people. Line's kinda is, the line's kind of gray. The line's kind of gray is another one of those characteristics. So having this idea of, like, the good cops and the bad cops, you know, and, and, and you don't even really... So because of what happens with Russell Crowe, you know, you kind of still kind of question, like, what side of the law is he on? Mm-hmm. Because he's close to Dudley's character. Mm-hmm. Who and the stuff that Dudley has him doing seems kind of shady. Yeah. And then, um, but you also know he has a good moral compass because from the very beginning, when you first meet him, he's, you realize that he likes beating up wife beaters. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) So there's that. So you kind of have this kind of interesting, it's, I find it interesting how, they really kind of are looking at the film noir genre and making this updated yeah. film noir kind of. Yeah. I mean, I I even think like it'd be cool to watch this movie in black and white to see if it has mm. all those same elements because lighting was another thing that was very important in those in in those films and film noir films I think because it would they're be. black and white and and I think it would be kind of cool to watch it in black and white. I, that's actually an interesting idea. That would be that would be really interesting. It's not like all of if us you should, like the movie, all of us should be able to like turn down turn the, the, uh, the color. color off on our TVs. I've probably yeah. watched this movie oh 
easily four or five times, if not more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy this movie. I've, um, I think I saw it in the theater. I want to say I saw it in the theater. Mm. And, um, I think my thing about this movie, and, and I agree with you that it's a good movie, but I think once you kind of know the whole twist on it and what happens at, you know, what actually is going on, I feel like it's not a movie I have to watch again. Mm. So while it's good, you know, the acting is good, you know, the, the pay, you know, everything about the, the making of the movie is good. I've never had like a huge kind of like desire, like, oh, man, I really want to tell like confidential. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> but um, I enjoyed I enjoyed watching it again this time. I probably it's probably been 15, 20 years since I yeah. watched it. Yeah. So I can't remember the last time I saw it, but I, I feel like it's been within mm, maybe five or so years. I I don't know. I just it's a movie I could put on. Not as often as Goodfellas, but I mean, it's a it's a gangster movie that I really like. It's I I think I think top the, five top five gangster movies for you. Top five, top, yeah. top five crime dramas, maybe top ten. Definitely top ten. Definitely top ten, mm. and it could be top five. I mean, I just, I, I think, I think the idea of um, all, like all the interplay of it being Los Angeles, and you know this this facade of L.A. being so beautiful, you know, perfect, and yet it's just this. There's a seedy underbelly right there, and it don't even mm-hmm. have to go that deep. I think I really like that paradox. You can because so many crime dramas are set. On the East Coast, so this is kind of Chicago, un- New York. Yeah, so it's kind of <laughs> yeah. unusual to have a West Coast crime drama, especially you know, I mean, the way that it opens, it's got you know some nice, is it like a Sinatra song or something that opens the movie? I mean, it's got that kind of like Rat Pack feel sure. that opens the movie. You know, it's got the, uh, you know, uh, the orange orchards and just there's this thing that, yeah, it, it it's. But you just peel it back a little bit, and it's like, yep, it's just as dark and gross and dirty <laughs> as like a New York crime drama. So, yeah, no, I I think so many things about it are great, and I'm I keep I keep trying to figure out which of the four main characters are my favorite, and I'm stumped. I mean, because I like all four of them for very different reasons. Um, I I like how all four of them have really interesting kind of arcs in terms of growth. Um, you know, Lynn, Kim Basinger's character gets to really feel loved maybe for the first time, you know, when Mm -hmm. she and Bud White fall in love and that really helps pull her out of that lifestyle. Jack Vincennes, um, Kevin Spacey, he really gets to kind of move past just the surfacey bullshit. Like let's, let's frame a person and let me get the photo (laughs) of them in front of the, with the movie premiere sign in the back. Like he moves past just kind of like an easy, like the easy buck. Like that's kind of what a lot of those, um, salacious kind of crimes feel like. And he moved beyond like, this isn't good. And, and especially when someone that he didn't really know, but someone that he felt responsible for got killed. Um, that right. really woke him up, and it's like he got to finally do some real kind of cop work at the uh, up until the end, and it ultimately killed him. You know, Bud White, of course, he got to be able to get out of that life too. You know, he finally got to 
stop eating people up <laughs> for a living. And then, uh, you yeah. know, and he almost dies, too. But and then Ed, Ed Exley, you know, um, Guy Pierce, he really he his his arc is not just becoming detective lieutenant and then probably getting whatever else promotion he's going to get, but also really understanding like, oh, this is like how gross and dirty police work can be like he really it's like a coming of age story for him almost i think uh, th- I, I don't know about that I, mean, I i i think that he always knew it was like that and he always kind of wanted to do things by the book but he he thought that there was a a better way to do things without having to get your hands dirty yeah I think there's it's really interesting because about in about the same time in the movie, but with using two different scenes, all the characters kind of have the three main characters kind of have this revelation at about the same time when when Guy Pierce, when Ed and Jack are talking, when they're about to, like, start their investigation and they're talking about, like, why they became cops. Mm -hmm. And Ed tells the story about his dad and then Jack kind of has like forgotten why he yeah. became a cop yeah. because he's been he's gotten he's done it for so long and he's like been entranced by, you know, the stuff he's done with Hollywood, you know, yeah, he's that so, he's kind he's of forgotten really, his jaded. roots. But at the same time, you have the same scene kind of happening between um, Bud and Lynn where he's kind of talking about how. He's tired of being like this muscle. Yeah. You know, and she's trying to tell him, like, you know, you're smarter than you think you are. Yeah. And and, you know, you can you should just go out and try and figure this out. And that kind of is the end. That's kind of like the the opening scene for kind of, you know, the next act of this movie. Yeah. Because if you think about it, it's like you've got two major crimes that happen. You've got Bloody Christmas, and then you have the Night Owl murders. Mm -hmm. And then you have the reinvestigation of the Night Owl Mm -hmm. murders. And because of... Because of how they break up the stories in this movie, you kind of have, like, this whole second act where now they're coming together as like a as a unit to mm-hmm. try and figure out what's going on. Unfortunately, you never really have the three of them working together. Yeah. As much as like first it's it's Ed and Jack and then Jack gets killed when the three of them are about to be, probably get together and then it becomes Ed and Bud even though the circumstances aren't the greatest yeah. how they get together. Um but uh I I mean like I said, I think that I think that the movie's great. It's just not something that I can watch over and over and over again. Hmm. Um, just because I think part of sometimes one of the big great things about the movie is kind of the revealed twist at the end. Mm-hmm. And with this movie, I kind of felt like once you kind of knew the whole story, you had about 45 minutes of, okay, now it's just going to be like, can they catch the bad guy? <laughs> And, and 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 not that there's anything wrong with it, but it. I mean, this movie was, um, you know, got nominated for awards and all that. Yeah. I mean, Kim Basinger wins an award and everything. But yeah. Um, um, but they do. And in in regards to the cast, you know, they've got such. They've got a lot of great great actors in mm-hmm. this that really kind of put this together. Yeah. In a nice little package. And unlike the other movie we're going to talk about tonight, I mean, their women are an important character women play important roles in this movie 
you know, Kim, yes. you know, Lynn is an incredibly important character in this movie. And then the other women in the movie, too. I mean, you've got the rape victim. You've got um, the other actresses who've had, you know, had plastic surgery, like the one in the car who ends up getting mm-hmm. killed. Susan Lefferts, I think, was her name. And then her mom, right. too, because we see her mom a few times. I mean, there's there's some female energy in this movie that we're not going to get in the other movie we're talking about. You kind of do with the sisters, but we can talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, this is a movie I I look forward to watch. I mean, I don't have it on like a regular rotation or anything, but I mean, this would be one of those map movies where if I'm flipping through the channels and it happens to be on, I would leave it on or whatnot. But I, um, I, I really enjoy it. I don't mind that I know what the twist is. I don't mind that I know how it ends. I find the action very interesting. I, I feel like there's little things I probably catch every time I watch it that I maybe didn't notice mm-hmm. the times before because it's so layered, you know, because there's just such right. a large cast of people and there's so many other stories Happening and it's com- and it's complex because of the yeah. whole so- conspiracy and everything. So before we get to your favorite character, because yes. I know that you ha- said you had a hard time, um, I can't figure. Kind of I pin- can't really pick one. Pinpointing honestly. it. Um, I think one thing that our listeners should know is Nancy has a little bit of a crush on Russell Crowe. Yes, and uh, yes, I've had one for probably since LA Confidential. So is it this movie? Would you say that it, it was him, and maybe not his character, but just how he looks in this movie that mm, kind of started your Russell Crowe crush? Was, it was between like that late, the late '90s, between this movie, Gladiator, and A Beautiful Mind. All there's something about him. I can't, I cannot pinpoint it. I cannot explain it other than I just have been drawn to Russell Crowe stuff for okay. twenty plus years. But and not it probably your favorite start, character. Well. I, I think it depends on the day. I mean, I like him a lot. I mean, I feel like in some ways maybe his character is, I don't want to say basic, but is not as deep, like the, the layers to his character. I don't know. I can't explain it. Um, there, I could argue. I could argue for all four of them. Depending on my mood, why each one one of the four of them would be my favorite character, just depending on mm. how I'm feeling. I'm kind of feeling Ed Exley for this this viewing. I mean, I really like I've always really liked Jack <clears throat> Vincennes' character also. Um, and, you know, him really kind of realizing how much he screws people over by doing what he does and getting a conscience, especially when he mm-hmm. stumbles upon a dead body of a poor kid that you know, was just trying to make a career for himself. Um, but I don't know. There's something about Ed Exley that I find really earnest, and I I kind of get his, you know, him being really annoying because he is just so by the book. And, like, him even saying, you know, when they, he was asked, are you, are you prepared to be hated by everybody because of, you know, you ratting everybody out? And he's like, yeah. yep. He doesn't care. Yep. Um, there's something about him just feeling so grounded in his, um, like being so determined and wanting to do the right thing that mm-hmm. I was really kind of drawn to that in this viewing. So I'll say for this viewing, it's Ed, Ed, it's Ed Exley. 
Um, um, he's he's my favorite character. Okay, yeah, there's he's great, and and I and, and maybe you can say the movie is really kind of from his point of view. Like, it's it's probably more about his overall journey than probably anyone else's. Because um, I, I feel like yeah. you kind of see him at the start of, like, this big jump in his career. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like him I a think lot. What, I, I think that one one of the reasons why I like him is because um, he's really kind of smart in how he's trying to break everything down. Yes. But yet he has these glimpses of just naivete that is just <laughs> just hilarious like the scene when he um thinks that Lana Turner is That's, one of the cut up prostitutes and is actually the, is Lana Turner. That is one of the best scenes. That is that is one of the scenes I think I always remember um them showing little clips of whenever they you know show you know whenever I'd see little previews of this movie it's always him getting the the drink thrown in his face for being such an asshole to her, and he's just so confident. Yeah, yeah. no, I like. But I think my go ahead. I think my favorite scene is his interrogation scene near the begin near mm-hmm. the, the first half of the movie. Yeah, when he's um, interrogating the first group of suspects that they mm-hmm. think did the night owl murders. Yeah, and um, he keeps fiddling that, with the with the audio so the people in the other right. rooms can hear. Right. And because of that, it, um, I think that's my favorite scene. What's my favorite scene? Oh, and then, oh, and I love the, uh, the other, sorry to interrupt, but the other line that I love of his is after he and Bud get into it when, after Bud has discovered that he, um, Ed slept with Lynn, um, and Bud just beats the crap out of him in the file room, he's like, he explains everything to Bud, and Bud's like, you're willing to take, to, like, tear all that down that you've built up for yourself, and you know, after the night, after solving the Night Owl murders? And he goes, with a wrecking ball. Yep. Want to help me swing it? <laughs> I yeah. just love that line. <laughs> yeah. No, I, um, yeah, Ed's my favorite, at least in this, this round. He's definitely my favorite. Um, what is my favorite scene? You know that that scene when when they have that fight, and when they realize that they actually need to be on the same team, that may be my favorite scene. Um, oh yeah, it's it's. I mean, really, that's a great it's scene. It's really good. Um, I mean, you can always say like the big shootout at the end is also really interesting. I mean, how they got so surrounded. I mean, how many cops did Dudley have on the take? I mean, how many were working? Because they had to probably all be mm-hmm. cops, right? That came yeah. to came to the Victory Motel to try to shoot him. I mean, it's, ah, you know, I thought it was so good. Oh, oh wait, I have another scene I also really really like, and it's also because this actor is so sleazy in everything we've seen him in. I love it when they go to the DA who was Arvin Sloan in Alias. Oh, Ron Rifkin. Yes, when they go to him and you know try to get information out of him, and then you know Bud White like beats him up in the bathroom, like shoves his head against the mirror a few times, shoves his head in the toilet a few times, and then for good measure, like 
almost like hangs him over the window and they're like seven, eight floors up and hang, you know, holds him by his feet. I mean, I like that scene a lot. (laughs) Pull him off me, Exley. I don't know how. how. (laughs) Oh, hey, there'll be there'll be a dozen lawyers coming from um, coming for your job. They just won't be coming off a bus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention was. Not quite 20 years later, there was another movie that came out that was nowhere near as good as L.A. Confidential that wanted to kind of cover the Mickey Cohen story, and that was Gangster Squad with Ryan Gosling and Sean Penn and Emma Stone. And, you know, Sean Penn plays Mickey Cohen, and um, Ryan Gosling is a cop. And it was horrible. It was not a good movie at all. And... Um, I was thinking about it tonight when I was watching LA Confidential. I only saw it once. It's not worth seeing again. Um, but because it's about Mickey Cohen and that's coincides with LA Confidential, I thought, hmm. Mm. But yeah, that's interesting. LA Confidential superior. The um, the writer of the movie, mm-hmm. um, James Elroy, mm-hmm. also wrote um, the screenplay for. Um, the movie that came out about 10 years later called The Black Dahlia, hmm. about the Black Dahlia murders. I've never seen it. So, Was it good? So lots of L.A. I've never seen it, but lots of L.A. crime drama that, you know, crime drama? some true crime in there crime. that you can check out. Crime drama's fun. Crime drama. So, I don't know why I said crime drama. True crime. It's all right. Um, crime movie, gangster movie, whatever you want to call it. So if this hadn't been assigned to you, you wouldn't necessarily have decided to watch LA Confidential this week. It would not have been on my list of movies that have impacted me at all. Mm. No. I mean, I, it, I, I, it's a good movie, but it's not one that I repeatedly have to watch. That's fair. It's fair. But, it's fair. And I do, and I do appreciate it's, that you like reveal to the, to our audience that I've had a crush on Russell Crowe for many years. Well, I think it goes without <laughs> saying. I mean, why, <laughs> why would you have such a, such it, a deep, it definitely Deep adds to my movie. reason for liking this movie. That's for sure. Yeah, I, 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 I have to admit that, because true or not true or whatever it is, but whenever you hear bad things about actors, it kind of always puts in the back of your head when you're watching them on screen. Like, uh, it, it taints something about it. So. I've had a hard time watching Kevin Spacey in films um, since some of the some of the controversy around his personal life had come out in the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, whether he's playing a good guy or a bad guy or just a you know, like a background character, it's it's um, it's just kind of different for watching it for me. So I you know, I. I hear you. I respect that opinion. (laughs) I will say, I actually had this conversation earlier today. Jack and I were talking about this. I've loved Kevin Spacey's work. There's a lot of things he's done that, um, a lot of, a lot of movies he's done that I've always loved. And to be honest with you, I can still watch those movies and put aside what he may, you know, what he's been, you know, accused of doing and, just enjoy them for what they are. Um, there's well, other, there's good. other, mo- I mean, there's other movies that he's done that we're going to talk about, um, at some point. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know, I guess I, the last thing I watched him in, um, that he most recently did was house of cards. And 
He plays a very oh, yeah. evil character in that. He plays a very evil, manipulative character in it. And in some ways, it's kind of fitting that this is the last big role he'll ever really have um, because of, you know, where he's going with the rest of his career, no more career or whatnot. But, um, yeah, I, I'm able to kind of put... I'm able to kind of look beyond that because I really do love this movie, so... That's good. You know, I'm not going to... I think the last thing that I saw him, that he had done, the newest thing that he had done that I saw him in was Baby Driver. I saw that, too, and it was kind of... Eh. Um... I don't know. I, I thought it was an interesting movie, um, but he plays kind of a bad guy in that. So maybe yeah. and it came out right when some of this stuff was surfacing. Yeah. So it it was a little easier to kind of get through maybe. Yeah. But even like um, A Bug's Life, he plays the villain, the voice of the villain in that. Oh, really? Even, time, when I, even when I hear him in that, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, Kevin Spacey. There, there was, I mean, and, and it's unfortunate because I think that... Before all that came out, I really enjoyed a lot of the roles he had played. Yeah. So. Um, there was a tiny, tiny little voiceover role that he had in another movie we talked about not long ago. He played oh, Sally yeah. Field's yeah. boyfriend who was leaving her. That was like the phone message she gets when she yeah. comes home from her awards night. Like his like 30 second voice role. We're done. I'm I'm leaving you. I'm going back I'm to going my wife. I'm going back to my wife. <laughs> exactly. Well, and then he and then he had um, that wonderful role in Working Girl. <laughs> yes, we saw him in that not long ago too. So you know he's he's been around for a long. It's kind of hard to avoid him. So yeah. I I can look beyond all of his bad bad behavior. But yeah. anyways. So. So anyways, I mean, if you guys are, you know, if you guys are interested in a gangster movie that you haven't seen, um, again, I think LA Confidential is definitely worth it. If you're able to put Kevin Spacey weirdness aside, which I am, um, and if you have a crush on Russell Crowe, you know, all these things are good, make it, you know, good reasons to check out LA Confidential. But we're going to now segue over to what I believe is one of Matt's favorite movies. I remember us talking about this movie quite a bit in the 90s when it came out. This is Shawshank Redemption. Thank you, Nancy. Um, So Shawshank Redemption came out in 1994. And I'm going to just honestly say I don't think I saw this in the theater. I I did not either. I think I picked up on this movie years later. No. It was within a year or two after. Well, a couple, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, okay, year or two after, not... Not too long. Not, not, like- not decades later, but, um, and I just really like this movie. And this is definitely, again, this is, I say it all the time, but this is a movie where if it's on, and I'm flipping through the channels, oh, Shawshank's on? Let's just watch it. Oh, Shawshank's on. I mean, I think there was a period of time when I moved into my house that, um... They were playing it a lot for some reason. It was like and a TNT movie or like an AMC yeah. movie that was on all It was on the all time. the time. So, I mean, you could just be like, oh, Shawshank's on. Let's watch it. Oh, yeah. there there they are in the prison. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and wherever you picked it up, you could just kind of continue on. And um, this movie is directed by Frank Darabont. And um, it is... Frank Darabont also did the screenplay, but it is based on 
um, once again, a Stephen King story. This is uh, based on a Stephen King short story, Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. And it stars Tim Robbins as Andy Dufresne and Morgan Freeman as Red and Bob Gunton as the Warden. And it's not... It's it's a pretty basic kind of story. Andy is a convicted murderer of murdering his wife and her lover. And he goes to prison, and it's about his life in prison. And um, the ups and downs of it all. And Morgan Freeman's character, Red, um, doesn't really become a friend of his immediately it takes some time like maybe even a couple years before Andy opens up and they become friends and of course then they become like best friends in prison and one of the things about Andy is not only is he a on the outside was he a banker but he didn't kill his wife. <laughs> He's an innocent man who is in prison for the murder that he did not commit. But, um, and it's really funny, you know, of all those times I've watched this movie because I caught it on TV somewhere. I had forgotten how this movie opens where it opens with him kind of in his car, knowing that his wife and her lover are in their house and he has a gun that he takes out of his glove compartment and, like, starts to load it. And then you have the trial, and you hear about how the, all the evidence points towards him being the murderer. And I thought about that, you know, having not seen that opening scene in so long, I really thought about it. I was like, man, wouldn't it be really interesting if he actually did kill her? <laughs> but um, anyway... He is, you know, convicted of murdering his wife. And it's really just about, you know, his life in prison and how that changes. Now, he has been given two life sentences. So he's um, not leaving. He's not going anywhere unless he gets paroled for some reason. But he's not going anywhere. And the movie takes place over 20 years of him being in prison. About about 20 years. And um, because of his intelligence and his um, financial background, over time, he starts becoming part of the ins and outs of what goes on financially with the prison. To where he becomes close to the warden, close to some of the prison guards, and... He just wants to pass the time. And one of the things that's really part of Andy's nature is he is, even though he thought about murdering his wife or maybe just murdering her her lover, he he is a morally good person. So as he's. You know, there's little hints like oh, like through from the beginning of the movie and then as you see play out through the whole movie is that part of how he deals with being in prison is 
by holding on to his humanity. Mm-hmm. And he needs projects. And and so one of the things he does is he tries to do what he can that that where he is um trying to bring anything from his old life into his new prison life. Mm-hmm. So for example, he is he was into to like polishing and shaping rocks. Mm-hmm. So he does that. Um he's very studious, so he gets assigned to um working in the library, which then ends up being him just needing them needing an excuse to get him out of the laundry so he can stop being um, raped. <laughs> well, not just that, but so he could start helping out the guards, you know, with their finances. Yeah. And then um, he expands the library and starts educating some of the prisoners so they can get their their high school education. Um, and then he and, you know, he does starts doing all the books for the prison because the prison at, over time has developed a work a working program. So where the prisoners can then go and do projects within the community, like help build roads and whatnot. He has to handle all the finances of that. Well, and it turns out that it's all shady, (laughs) you know, there and everything is a scam. And Andy has to then like, he's totally straight on the outside world. And even there's a great line in the movie where he's talking to red and he's like, you know, outside of these walls, you know, I was a I was a straight man, straight as an arrow. I had to come to prison to become a crook, and um, you know, he has this, you know, this uh, tie now to where he's got this. He's basically got a job like he had on the outside, on the inside, but now he's doing it under these shady circumstances. Mm-hmm. Well. He ha- he's become friends with Red. He's become friends with some of the other characters and everything. And then a new character, a new prisoner comes who becomes friends with them, who he helps, who Andy helps get his high school diploma. But this new prisoner has is not a very good thief and has been in a couple other prisons. Several. And he, several. several. And a- a- Andy even like gives him crap at one point where he's like, maybe you need to find a new profession because you don't seem like a very good thief, (laughs) Um, which is which is pretty good. This guy was in a cell at one point with the actual person who murdered his wife and the golf and, and, and her lover. And this kind of becomes this very pivotal point where now Andy wants to try and get out of prison and the warden does everything he can to not let that happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to interject a little bit real quick. So I haven't watched this movie in a good five, six, maybe, maybe 10 years. Um, but I watched it a lot. Like we said, it, yeah. it was on TV all the time. And mm-hmm. I always really liked this movie. I was probably 18 or 19 when I saw it for the first time. And I feel like you saw it when you were about 15 or 16. Like, I feel like that's... I did see it in high school. Because I... But I just don't remember watching it as often as I did later because it was on all the time. I mean, I even remember us, like, going to Grandma's house and talking to uh, our our dad's mom about this movie. And I remember you as, like, this teenager saying to her, 
he is a genius. I remember you being so excited about Andy Dufresne. Just, oh, my God. He, Grandma, he is a genius. Because I think she well, really liked the movie, too. It I, has, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact of, of the, the part of the story I was going to get to when you're Well, when I you're just want to say, watching it now, some of the things that are just incredible coincidences are kind of bugging me this viewing. And really? Tommy being Tommy coming in when he does and then happened to have sharing the cell of all the potential prisoners in the total like the whole northeast. Oh, oh yeah. Landing in the same cell as the guy who actually killed Andy's wife and he's the one that could to- could get him out of prison. It's like it kind of bothered me this round. Why? Because it's not realistic? Yes. Like it bothered but me it's more a, but, than it's ever but, bothered me before. It it's a story. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know, but it's it not just, based on true life. I know, but I'm just I saying mean, this isn't like, Young Guns again. <laughs> I'm just saying that that element. While I enjoy that character, like the Tommy character's fine. I like that there's like this younger prisoner that you know gets to come in for Andy to kind of take under his wing and you know direct some attention towards because he's someone who needs a project but for this thing because I'll ask I'll ask this other question in a moment but him coming in and giving him this kind of like get out of jail card like Mm -hmm. an actual get out of jail card bugs bugs me so I'm just gonna leave it I I I hear you I I understand you (laughs) (laughs) well we'll talk more because I have a big question about how the story would go if there was no Tommy, but you finished telling okay. it. You finished your part. Well, so now the warden is doing everything he can to keep Andy from leaving prison, including murdering Tommy. Yeah. He's breaking and, Andy. He's breaking yeah, him down. And he's trying to break him to the point where um, he has no hope of yeah. ever getting out. Yeah. And then... After Andy has kind of gotten to the um, the end of his rope, we'll say. And after being in solitary confinement for two months. For two months. For two months. Um, he has this tremendous heart-to-heart with Red and gives Red these very cryptic kind of instructions as far mm-hmm. as places to go and yeah. things to do and the next day Andy's not in his cell anymore <laughs> and um which then becomes this whole kind of like where the hell is Andy so for the next like 15 minutes of the movie we learn that all these things that Andy was doing to kind of keep his mind at ease was really just a distraction for the real thing he was doing and which was tunneling out of Shawshank prison. Yep. <laughs> and um the the reveal the whole reveal of what so happened great. is so is so great. I love tunnel and, cam. Tunnel cam. And like best. and him like tunneling through the wall 
and then timing it so it's a stormy, thunderous night so he can smash a the sewer pipe that is just big enough to fit him. Um, and then he has to crawl 500 yards through the sewage to get to the end, to the, to the end of the line to get out, to break out of the prison. And then the, the like amazing twist on this besides the fact that, Oh, he just got out of prison is that, because he had been doing this for 20, you know, digging this hole for 20 years and planning his escape, part of that plan was using the shady finances that the warden was doing. Randall Stevens. Randall Stevens. The apparition, Randall Stevens. The Rolo Tomasi of Shawshank Redemption. That's right. To basically finance his life mm-hmm. after prison, yep. <laughs> and um, it's just so it's so great. Like that, and that is the redemption. That is the Shawshank redemption. Mm-hmm. And um, I just found like the whole twist in this movie to be so great. And unlike L.A. Confidential, this became a movie that I could rewatch all the time. And I thought that Let was really too. interesting. Like like like. They both have kind of reveals at the end, but the reveal in this, I guess because of it's almost so uplifting. Like there's a very uplifting part of this movie. Like how can you make any part of a prison movie almost uplifting? But this idea of not not losing your humanity in one in and one arguably one of the worst situations you can be in 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 a person's life yeah. being in pr- in prison yeah and trying to you know use that as your survival you know some people you know when he first gets to the prison you know i mentioned earlier the sisters <sighs> which is basically red to you know red describes them as not even human but basically it's a group of guys who rape him you know for like the first two years that he's there yep and they don't really go in they like they could have really taken a like a gruesomely dark turn by like showing that happening or something like that they showed enough but they they showed they showed him it was it was implied it was implied to the point where it was enough you know but just just having this kind of attachment to trying to just be a good person to kind of deal with all that. I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, now, one thing I don't want to go ahead. Well, okay. So I want to ask you then. So what's it, So what's your other problem then? Well, no, you had another, well, okay. Yeah. So if there wasn't a Tommy character where Tommy gives him this get out of jail free card, at what point do you think he would have chosen to escape? Do you think it would have been when red would have been paroled if he was to ever get parole? Do you think some other major thing would have... Because I can't imagine anything else other than him losing this chance. Because what else was he waiting for? Was he still tunneling that hole up until a few days before Tommy left? No, because because he pretty much got out of the hole, got out of solitary. And then it was like like the way that they they show it in the movie, it seems like he gets out of solitary and then that night he leaves. But, but or no, it was actually it was it was probably a little bit later. But I think what happened, I think what it so say. But Tommy why didn't he didn't do it come, before come Tommy? That, I guess that's my thing. It's like uh, he could have been wait. Well, because of the thunder and lightning was such a big point of like how does he make it so they can't hear him? Yeah, maybe breaking it's a seasonal the pipe. Thing? 
he was probably waiting just for the right time. He could have also been waiting for like a certain amount of money to be inside the in in the bank so he could properly finance his whole thing and how and like maybe to get the right evidence cuz that's one of the other great things is when he leaves <laughs> and he takes all the money he has documented yeah. all the stuff that was t- that they did shady gives it to the yeah. press and then the warden kills himself because he doesn't want to go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all of that is just so great. Um, so you don't know. So to answer your, so you to answer your question, moment, then that he could have done it if there was no Tommy character. If there was no Tommy character, I think that. I mean, because the movie plays out the way it plays out. But if there's no Tommy character, I really feel like he probably was waiting just for the right moment in of the night to do it. And and I agree like you like it could be also like if Red were to have gotten hit paroled, maybe he was planning on doing it right after Red got paroled and he would just find Red and then they would take off somewhere. Yeah. But you're also at that point you have to worry that if he if Red is paroled, Red's the first person they're going to go to to try and find him. Because if Red's paroled and out somewhere and Andy has some sort of idea of where he's at, Red's the first guy they're going to go and look for. Okay, so I'm going to make another argument then. If there was no Tommy character and there was never an opportunity for Andy to stumble upon the evidence that really could have freed him, I don't know if he ever would have left. Because he had a gig going that was working for him. I mean, unless... No, he... he you, don't dig, you don't spend all that time digging a hole and planning to... And part of your plan is to climb through a sewage pipe like that. You don't... And because think of it, what if... At any time, they could have tossed his cell. I mean, they could have the reason, pulled the poster let, off the wall. Yeah, let, let, <laughs> let, let's go back. The reason why the original short story was called Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption is because he was covering the hole with a poster of Rita Hayworth sure. when he started making it. And then over time, it changed to Marilyn Monroe, Monroe and then Raquel, Raquel Welch. But um, at any time, they could have pulled that poster back and been like what the hell have you been doing at night okay okay so let me let me let me say a couple things real quick i think he probably while he said earlier like oh i was straight as an arrow outside of prison i had to come here to be a crook blah 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 i'm gonna also argue because like he said his wife told him you know you're a hard man to know you're cold you're this you're that i'm gonna say he didn't ever really feel understood or accepted until meeting Red and, like, that group of, like, seven or eight friends. There's that. I'm going to also say he had, like, social awkwardness that was maybe finally dealt with and, you know, worked through by dealing in prison, by being stuck in prison. He didn't really have a whole lot of, I don't know how many options he had. Well, yeah. So (laughs) it's like he, because he was forced to, I mean... I mean, when he the courtroom scene at the very beginning of the movie, when the judge said, "You are so ice cold," like there was some, and, right. and his whole, um, "You not finding the gun is decidedly inconvenient for me." Um, mm-hmm. That whole thing, it's like, this guy comes off like a total psychopath. Like he comes off really well, bad. And, 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 and that's what's kind of interesting. To that, that's what's kind of interesting to think like, 
what if he actually did do it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, but it's kind of, yeah. Can I just jump in and tell you who my favorite character is? Yeah. Morgan Freeman. This is my favorite Morgan Freeman movie. It, it, it is. It, and you know what's interesting? I was doing in my research for the movie. This is Morgan Freeman's favorite Morgan Freeman movie. He and I have this in common then because I feel and, and I feel this is while while he's telling the story about Andy. I mean, this is more about red. I mean, because this movie is about friendship. This movie is all about. Yeah, their it's friendship. a love story. It pretty much yeah. is. It's a bromance. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I have joked for years and years and years about like Zewa Taneo. Um, I didn't I never watched <laughs> the end of House. But apparently House has um, the TV show has a Zewa Taneo moment with um, mm-hmm. Greg House and I forgot what his buddy Wilson. 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 Like total yeah. Zewa Taneo they, moment. They, they do. Um, yes, they do. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is this movie is more like like red. Red to me is. The, is so interesting. I love his character so much. And Andy, yes, he's very, he's awesome. He's, as you said, mm-hmm. as a teenager, he's a genius. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something about Red kind of just, and, and again, it's told from his point of view. I mean, it's really told right. from his point of view and his experience right. getting to know Andy, but Morgan Freeman is my favorite character in this. This was the first movie that he narrated. Hmm. And oh, then he did. And then, then if you've ever seen March of the, and then yeah, you've seen March of the Penguins or anything like that. He's done a ton of that. But um, here's here's another thing that I found interesting about his the character of Red. And I've said this many times on this podcast. I do not read, so I have not read this <laughs> this the short story. But apparently, you and in Tommy the book, have that in common. In the book, well, I know how to read. Oh. I just don't read. Oh, okay. <laughs> he didn't know how to read. <laughs> but no, um, in the book, he's Irish. Oh, and that's why he makes the joke. Maybe it's because I'm Irish. Because I'm Irish. But it wasn't a joke in the book. Yeah. In the book, like, why do they call you red? Maybe it's because I'm Irish. It wasn't meant to really be a joke. Yeah. It's because he's he was Irish. And that led, to, I guess, what happened was, is when they were casting this movie, um... Originally, they wanted Andy to be played by Tom Hanks, but he was filming Forrest Gump, hmm. so he couldn't do it. And then I prefer Tim Tom Robbins Hanks. As- and Tom Hanks eventually goes and, and does another um, Stephen King book by doing uh, Green, Green Mile. Mile. Yes. Yeah, Green Mile. But um, but yeah, I thought it was really interesting. A, a couple other like actors I want to mention. Um, Clancy Brown as Hadley, the head of security yeah. under the warden. He's great. Oh my god. He reminds me so of one scary. of our uncles. He reminds me of one of our uncles on our mom's side. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, um, Clancy Brown, um, I really like Clancy Brown. He's probably best known for high, playing the villain in Highlander. Mm which I've never seen, mm. which surprising. I've probably never seen yeah. that, but I've never seen it. But he does a lot of voice acting. Yeah. Um, he's done characters in a couple different Star Wars cartoons so that I, I really know his voice from that. But lots of voice acting. But he was in Mandalorian. He's super free. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He had a whole a role in that. But he is 
a messed up character in this he, movie. He's psychotic. And um, so he's really good then. But and then, he's important in my because he's in my favorite scene. My favorite okay, scene. Okay. So what is your is favorite when scene? When they're tarring the roof. And when Andy. Oh yeah, yeah when, that's when that's the first time where he's really kind of trying to show his financial kind of um, abilities to help mm-hmm. out um, Captain Hadley. Yeah. That's my favorite scene, and the whole sequence of, um, also, I'm going to say there's two. Once Red gets paroled and he leaves, like kind of like that five, ten minutes of him on his own and then finally deciding, you know what, I'm going to pursue this. Andy gave me a reason to search for something. It's like he's on his little journey to go find Andy. So right. Those two scenes, but the roof, the roof tarring scene is pretty awesome. I think um, I'm going to agree that... Red is my favorite character just because he's 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 really kind of carrying the whole story. Wait, is this the first time we have agreed on the favorite character for both movies in an episode? Probably. Wow. Probably. Awesome. And it's not that I dislike Andy, but um there's just some there's red's more likable he's just likable you me and morgan you know, freeman all think he's and, the and, best character matt and and he, yeah that's right well we think well morgan freeman thinks that this is his it's best his movie fa- yeah. maybe he doesn't maybe he doesn't he's maybe he doesn't like himself in it maybe he really likes the warden i don't oh, know i don't think he likes, <laughs> he, likes he likes brooks brooks is a great yeah. great old man <laughs> but um uh, my favorite scene is um, I really like the opera scene. I was going to say that too. When they first get the, and um, apparent, I read up on that scene and apparently, um, you know, it's a it's from an opera that uh, Mozart did. So when he's in the when after he does that and he spends a week in the hole, he's got you know Mozart in his heart and in his brain, and that's how he kind of mm. gets through it. But um, the the shot i guess the shot of of him when they're yelling at him about you know turning it off turning it off and he goes to reach for it and he you think he's about to turn mm-hmm. it off and then he turns it up instead i guess that was tim robbins idea he was like what if i turn it up instead and then they played that into the movie i was like nice. that's i love it i love little things like yeah. that when you when you that uh what's it called when that collaboration that happens you know and i'm sure that's Improv. very common but but I mean, I think it's for. I'm sure that's really common in when movies are being made. You know, some actor has this idea like, "What if I did this?" and then it yeah. clicks in the director's head. So, yeah. I love when Morgan anyway. Freeman says, "I don't know what those two Italian ladies were singing about." None of us really cared. I don't want to know what they were singing about. We all felt like uh, yeah. free men at that moment. Right, yeah, right. I mean, so it's good. just such a, and and that's what I mean. Like it, like I watched. If you've I've seen other prison movies and and like I've never watched there was a, a television show um, on HBO. I can't watch it. I watched a few episodes. It's too much. It's called Oz. It's too much. Oz. Yes. And and and, and I'm sure that that is very real and and whatnot. And um, the night of I is saw the that one, probably the one I think about that. Did you watch it? And that's yes. So I watched good. that because. The 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 prison elements oh. of this movie are all based on the book, or the, the the short story. And Stephen King said, like he basically, you know, he's not been in prison, 
so he pretty much based everything off of things that he had seen in other movies or heard about. You know, I like the idea of there being like you having to hold on to that hope that you can get out. And I I think that that's the whole point of prison. Prison is supposed to break that and like destroy that in your brain. And I think I'll say I'll say this, too. When I was first watching this movie today and, you know, getting about halfway through and then when Tommy's introduced and then really getting a little like, whatever, there's so many coincidences. This is kind of getting on my nerves. I was thinking about how I have seen so many other prison, either movies or shows, because I feel like obviously Orange is a New Black. We've both watched that. I haven't finished it yeah. yet, but we've seen I've seen enough of it to know. What? Definitely more female characters in that than this uh, movie. Yeah, just a few. Um, but even <laughs> even like The Wire, you know, plenty of that movie takes has some prison scenes and. Um, you mean the television show? The television show, The, the Wire. Wire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just other, there's just been other shows that I've watched that in the last 15, 20 years, and yes, there was like this like romantic version of Shawshank Redemption. It's like, yes, people get beaten up and there's there's just, but there was something that felt like, wow, this does not seem like, this can't be what prison's like now. I mean, it seems like prison is Oh, I totally agree. I agree with you. So there was this kind of disconnect for me a little bit. Like, there's nothing, I don't know. I, I was having a problem. Just the first time I saw a, more realistic modern day prison kind of movie is there's a movie called American Me. Mm, I haven't seen with, it. Um, is it um, Edward James Almost? Edward James Almost is in it, and his he plays a a gang member who goes to prison when he's like seventeen or eighteen, mm-hmm. and then that's the he eventually gets out on parole, and that's the life he leads, and some very terrible things happen. Yeah. In, in that prison so that was my first like holy shit prison is scary don't go there <laughs> kind of moment um, but um, I mean we've I watched know. Sons of Anarchy a lot of that show has scenes yeah. in prison and it's just uh, Shawshank oh, yeah Cardin- there's some really 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 hard to watch scenes yeah, <laughs> so, prison scenes so I think like this kind of you know, I, that, it, I that, agree. That, it's a romanticized version of of a prison. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know. but it's fiction. Yeah. It's it's this dreamed up world that Stephen King came right. up with, and 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 ultimately, like we said, yes, it's set in prison, but it's really more a movie about their bromance, about a friendship oh, yeah. between. It's a bromance. And I was thinking about this too. Um, Andy Dufresne also, to me, kind of represents. Um, a person that is just so unlike anyone else that you could ever run into in life. Like you can think about people that are like, think about like a job, like people that are all working at a company. And then this mm-hmm. really like unique person comes and starts working at your job and really kind of changes everybody's kind of points of view about things. And it just, it's like, Oh wow. I'd never thought about that before. Just, or any kind of situation. Like if you were in school and you had a class and like just this really interesting student just shows up, like just this element of what you're pointing a finger at me. No, 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 no. I'm, I, I'm agreeing with you, but I will say this. There is something about, Andy Dufresne and his way of trying to I wouldn't say manipulate 
but do things to make things to make his situation more comfortable mm-hmm. and more easily for him to manage and then the way the projects that he does and kind of the 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 way of looking at like when he finally starts working for the warden mm-hmm. and starts looking at ways of how he can like interpret the the laws and the situation to like get the ID, get the social security mm-hmm. number and all that. Not that this person would do anything illegal, but there's something about that that reminds me of dad. There's something about that. <laughs> like like how dad like when he talks about his work how he talks about, like, you know, if you did this and then you put your thing and did this and you did this, you could save this, you know, <laughs> you know, you could save this, you know, well, I think that are, kind of aspect of it reminds me of dad. Okay, well, let's just couch it also, <laughs> you know, Matt and I both very much respect how smart our dad is. There's there's that. And, and, and yes, our, da- our dad's a yes. tax man. So he's very well aware <laughs> of the law and things like that. So I get what you're I could, saying. I, I just he seems like, you know what I mean? Yeah, he, he, he seems to know a lot about finance things that none of us would just randomly know or he can answer a lot of finance questions no like like the scene on the roof that is dad dad would have turned and said you know you could save that money if you would have given it to the to your wife (laughs) you can take all that tax free that 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 is some like i can maybe not in a prison situation (laughs) where he's about to get thrown off of the roof but if he heard someone doing some saying something he's like i can picture him going that person could save well, all that money if they did this. I'd like to hope that he'd have maybe a little more finesse than starting the conversation off with, do you trust your wife? And not, Oh, God. That was, that, I mean, when he, when, when Andy that, starts that conversation like that, I'm sitting here going, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Especially when he's like, yeah, you're going to look real funny sucking my dick without any of your teeth. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean, dad has a dad. Our dad has a very specific sense of humor that can be really cutting if you don't know him well enough. So I can see him um, maybe saying something that um, lacking in tact, perhaps, but maybe it'd be not. He wouldn't approach it like that, but I, I believe I just the idea oh like he would that's how, that he would he would totally be like I, I just imagine like whenever I see that scene it reminds me of like dad would dad would totally be like hey you know if you did this yeah. it's not, not illegal cutting you could go you're, you're doing something yeah. correctly in fact in fact I feel bad telling you this I'm sure you would have looked that up yourself yeah. yeah talk about so Andy like knowing the right way to you know to smooth that over to not you know the only you know you realize that the only time he ever lost his cool with a, a person of authority was when he was telling the warden about Tommy and Tommy's story and then the right. warden shrugging him off like oh that's such a great tale he's just telling you that because he admires you and then him saying you're being obtuse and that being like the biggest insult you could have said to the warden and yeah. that was the real really the only time other than when he went through the tunnel and escaped prison that he um outwardly challenged authority and put himself in a really bad situation but um I also want to just point out the irony. And again, it's not prison. 
but we aren't allowed to leave our homes or we're not supposed to be leaving our homes. Watching a movie. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's really. Yeah. People have been online, have been comparing the situation it's, to prison. It's not and prison. It's really not it's, good. It is not, not good prison. to do that. It's not prison. Please stop, people. <laughs> but, you know. I don't know if I will stand in the rain with my arms out when I'm... Oh, there is one thing I'm going to be doing that's similar. To, you you, I'm going, you might, because by the time we get out of here, it's still, it might be raining again. The one thing I definitely am going to do when COVID-19 quarantine is over is I am going to go to the beach. I'm not going to Zewataneo. It'll probably be Santa Cruz, but I will go to a beach as soon as we're able to. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I won't go. I won't go into how people don't really give a shit and aren't doing that anyway. But well, we're following the rules, so. Anyways. They think they're following the rules. Um. Let me think of. Let me think. If there were some other big things I wanted to say about this. Um. I do also love the Brooks character. I think the old man is very amazing, and his journey. And it's funny because I haven't seen the movie in a long time. I forgot uh-huh. that there's still a good hour left to go after he dies. Like, I, I, I oh, it was yeah. earlier than I thought. It was kind of early in the second, kind of midway through the second. Yeah, because act. you don't you don't even you don't even really at that point when he when he dies, you don't even really have. Um, he hadn't met Tommy. Tommy hadn't gotten in. You don't have yet. Tommy at all. Yeah. Tommy kind of comes in and replaces that, you know, to have that character. And, but I think the Brooks character but, in, was really interesting in the, you know, here he's in prison for 50 years, and then when he's finally released, like, he doesn't know what's going on. He's like, the world got itself no. in a big goddamn hurry, you know? <laughs> he just... Right. It's, and it's, you know, it messes you up. You know, they, they, they sentence you to life, and that's exactly what they take. Right. But, so, while I was halfway through the movie and again getting a little irritated with like the grand coincidences that were happening I was starting to wonder like how much am I going to say I like this movie by the time I'm over, by the time it's done and you know what by the time it was over I was like god damn it I still love this movie it, That's it right. ends so it's still strong a good movie. It ends so great you know it's and, and a lot of it's because it's so red centric at the end but also yeah freaking the tunnel camera with the reveal of pulling back the poster and seeing their little heads peeking mm-hmm. through like the whole that whole kind of that whole um sequence of them showing like what he actually did. I mean <clears throat> awesome I mean he is a genius <laughs> well and and I would argue that this is a movie that you do have to watch a second time mm-hmm. only to start seeing some sure. of the like little hints of what he's doing like at the end of the movie, when the reveal happens, it turns out that he's been hiding the little um, rock hammer in the Bible. And when they first toss the cells, after he already has the, 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 the rock hammer and he's hiding it in the Bible, the warden is holding the Bible the whole time while they're tossing his cell. And when he hands it back to him, he tells him salvation lies within. And then at the end of the movie... Um, when the reveal happens, Andy, when he's left the Bible with the, you know, where the rock hammer was in the safe, in the safe, he writes, Warden, you were right. Salvation does lie within. <laughs> you know, and it's because that's where the where the, the rock yeah. hammer was. It's just so, so And I perfect. love Red's narration. He goes, you know, it's about time and pressure and, you know, 
Mm-hmm. He had all this time and also had a big goddamn poster. <laughs> like, that's how he that's was right. able to tunnel his way out of there. He goes, I thought it was going to take 600 years. Right? No. So but it was fun um, to watch this again. Yeah. Well, that's all I really have to say. I love this movie. People need to watch it. It's it, it didn't get, you know, it it was nominated for seven Oscars, but was considered a failure at the box mm-hmm. office for whatever reason. And now people consider it one of the best movies of all and time. You know, it's definitely on a top 100 ri- exactly. list. Exactly. And I, I would I'd argue that this is a movie that most people have probably seen, like people who enjoy movies. I bet most people have come across this movie at some point. Yeah. And, and if they haven't, so. you know, they should. It's great. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that about does it on my end. Nancy, you have anything else to say? No, I'm good. We've covered a lot of ground right, tonight. Well, 500, oh, 500 yards of ground, at least. 500 yards of ground and five hours of movies. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank everybody for listening and following us. And um, to all of our new listeners, um, thank you for joining us. Hopefully, if you started with this episode, great. If you start with an older episode great and um hope you're doing okay hunkering down staying safe stay safe you know matt and i have figured this out how to do this remotely it's not my preferred way of doing it because i'd rather be in person to get that energy face to face it'll happen one day but for now we're um enjoying having a weekly uh episode to put out for you guys and um again we hope everyone's just taking care of themselves and staying safe Clean hands, All clear right. heads. <laughs> yeah, clean hands, clear heads. There you go. Don't see that a lot. Yeah. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. This is Fighting Over the VCR, and thank you for listening. Thank you.